Just give me one second. Thank sure. you. Sorry. Uh-huh. Hey. Hey. Two minutes. Thank you. Hi, good afternoon. Sorry about hey, that. Hey, Hi, nice Hi. to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Let me tell you a little bit about the job to get started with. It's not just um, a job. It's sort of probably the most important job. Uh, the title that we have going right now is Director of Operations, but it's really kind of so much more than that. Now, this position requires excellent negotiation and interpersonal skills. We're really looking for someone that might have a degree in uh, medicine, in finance, and the culinary arts. You must be able to wear several hats. Associate needs constant attention. For how many, like... For how many hours? Uh, 135 hours to unlimited hours a week. It's basically 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm sure you'll have a chance from time to time to maybe just sit down here and there, yeah? Uh, you mean like a break? Yeah. Uh, no, there are no breaks available. Is, is that even legal? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Okay, yeah. so like no lunch? You can or... have lunch, but only when the associate is done eating their lunch. Uh, I think that's a little intense. No. no. Not possible. That's crazy. Sometimes they have to stay up with an associate throughout the night. Being able to work in a chaotic environment, if you, if you had a life, we'd ask you to sort of give that life up. No vacations. In fact, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, and holidays, the workload is going to go up, and we demand that with, with a happy disposition. Uh, that's almost cruel. <laughs> that's almost uh, a very, very sick, twisted joke. Right, but when there's time to sleep or... Oh, no time to sleep. Yeah, all-encompassing, all almost. That's exactly right. 365 days a year? Yes. No, that's, that's inhumane. That's, that's very insane. Also, let's cover the salary. The position is going to pay absolutely nothing. Excuse me? No. Nobody's doing that for free. Yeah, pro bono. Completely for free. <laughs> no! What if I told you there's someone that actually currently uh, holds this position right now? Billions of people, actually. Who? Moms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Moms. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh! <laughs> and they meet every requirement, oh, don't wow. they? Yeah, there's no pay. They're 24 hours. They're always there. Now I'm thinking about my mom. Yeah, and what are you thinking about her? I'm thinking about all those nights and everything. So, Mom, I want to say thank you for everything that you've done. I love you very much. You've been there through thick and thin. My mom is just awesome. She's awesome. So, happy Mother's Day. It's like a smattering of applause. We can do better. I think we can probably do better than that. Uh, let's, for all the moms in the room, how about a little hand, if you don't mind, out there? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So Mother's Day, uh, just for the tech team, the remote is not working. Uh, so that was fun, wasn't it? A little fun moment there. Uh, so moms, uh, Mother's Day. Mother's Day can be, in my experience, kind of, a, kind of an emotional day, honestly, Mother's Day. It can, be, it can be a day when, uh, for some, Mother's Day is a, a very difficult day. For example, if you lost your mom this past year or you lost the, the mother of your children, it can be a tough day, Mother's Day. Or, or maybe for moms out there, and I, and I know a lot of them that have lost a child, Mother's Day can be a, a difficult day. 
or if, if uh, even if, if you wanted to be a mom and, and that never happened for you or hasn't yet happened for you, it can, it can be a day mixed with disappointment and, and mingled with some, some sadness. And then certainly, certainly Mother's Day uh, also um, is a day when maybe the mom that you had was not the mom that you expected or the mom that you wanted. All those things can make Mother's Day uh, something of a difficult day. And today I want to talk about uh, what, I, what I call um, just, just characteristics to consider on Mother's Day. And we're going we're gonna to actually draw these qualities, characteristics, qualities from, uh, from the Bible, from Colossians chapter 3. And Colossians chapter 3, really, really uh, for all of us, for all those who follow Christ, this scripture should be especially special. Because it shows us how Christians should live in the context uh, of, of, their, of their relationships, certainly Christian families, and certainly between mothers and children in a Christian relationship. So this is Colossians chapter 3. Here we go, uh, 12 through 14. You know it's better than one of me? Two of me. Yeah, exactly. We actually had it. It was there. Uh, Colossians 3. Oh, there I am again. So I'll just read the scripture to you. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy... And dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, maybe you have a question. Maybe a question on your mind right now. Pastor Tom, why? Why are we stopping everything we're doing as a church to stop everything and just focus on moms? Let me tell you two reasons why we're stopping everything to focus on moms today. Number one, the vision of our church is building generations for Jesus Christ. And it is impossible to build a generation without fantastic Moms, give me a hand, give me a hand, a little, little hand out there, right? It's impossible. We, we, need, we need moms to know they're valued and honored and to know how, how very important they are for us. And number two, we're stopping everything to focus on Mother's Day because moms deserve it. How about that? Yeah. Now, let me tell you a little bit, a little bit. I have a, this morning, um, I had a picture possibly of motherhood this morning. Let me tell you what happened. Later on today, my family is going to go on a bike ride and have a picnic for Mother's Day at my wife's request. So this morning, about 7 a.m., I was inflating bike tires, preparing for the family bike ride, and I thought to myself, I should probably get on my bike because I haven't been on my bike for, you know, yet this year. So I got on my bike, and, and uh, my driveway is a little bit steep, a little steep driveway, and I got on my bike, and I, just as I was going down the steep part of my driveway, in front of me comes my... Oh, I have a picture of him, but it's a picture of me instead. There, my dog, Charlie, there's Charlie right there, jumps right in front of my bike. And so instinctively, what I did was I turned the handle of the bike and I hit both brakes as hard as I could. And then I had that moment. The moment when you're falling, but it's so slow. You can have time to think, this is going to hurt so very badly. Perhaps a picture of motherhood. Then the bike hit the concrete. Uh, I don't know what happened, but based on my injuries, my hands went down first, and I rolled over into the grass, and I was nauseous with pain, and the dog came and licked my face. 
beautiful, beautiful. If I bleed through my pants, don't say anything until the service ends. Yeah, right. Motherhood, what a beautiful, amazing, amazing thing. Uh, moms, we love you. You're amazing. And let's get into the scripture and, and kind of see what it, what it says to us and how we can learn about moms and maybe also encourage moms in, in how they're mothering as well. Therefore, it says, as God's chosen people, let me tell you something about this idea. What it means is this, God, God chose you. You didn't find a relationship with God by accident. God chose you, and that's intended to make you feel special and make you feel good, make you feel important. God chose you. You're God's chosen person. You're holy. Stop on that for a second. Now, you're not holy because of something you have done. You have been, I'll say it, you say it, man. Here we go. Fully forgiven by Christ. It's awesome. If you're in Christ, you've been fully forgiven by Christ. That's why Paul can say you're chosen, you're holy. You can approach God with boldness, unafraid, unashamed, because you're holy in God's sight. And then it says this little phrase, dearly loved. I'll say dearly, you say loved. Here we go. Dearly, dearly loved. Now, I had a question about this phrase, dearly loved, and I thought to myself, we, we know, most, most of those um, biblically literate people know there are lots of Greek words for love. There's a, a love for friendship, there's a, there's, a, there's a love for romantic love, there's a, a love, there's the agape love of God, and, and I wondered to myself, which of these Greek words for love is used here? So I looked it up in the Greek, and guess what? It's none of those words. It isn't actually a word describing a kind of love. It's actually a word describing the quality of love you have for something. The Greek word here is uh, agapao. Agapao is what it says. Dearly loved. In Greek, it's one word. In English, it's two words. And agapao, is a, it's actually an important thing that you understand. Agapao is what you say about a number of things that you love. I love this, and I love that, and I love this. Yeah, for example, for example, I love the Saturday night service. And I love the 11 o'clock service. But I dearly love the 9 o'clock service. Absolutely. That might change at 11, but anyway, I'm going with it for right now, right? Agapao. Agapao is something that I love more than. I, I, I love all these things, but here's the one I love the most. Dearly loved. Agapao. Agapao is, is what God says to Jesus when he's baptized. He's baptized, and he comes up out of the water, and heaven, oh, it's so awesome. Heaven splits open and the Holy Spirit descends as a dove. And God's voice says, this is my agapao son, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. If you're in Christ, you should sit up a little straighter right now because God agapaos you. He loves you. You're dearly loved. You're chosen. You're holy. You're dearly loved. And then it says, clothe yourselves. And the, the image here is a robe. The image here is put, put on the robe of righteousness that you have in Christ. Put on this robe. Clothe yourself. Another way of saying that for our modern ears would be be like this. Become this. Clothe yourself could mean become. Become. Compassion. Now, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness. I want you to think about those two things just for a second. Now, in English, actually, those two words, compassion and kindness, do not have this, the exact same meaning as the Greek words that, that Paul uses to describe what Christians should be like. But the English words aren't so far off. Think about it. Compassion and kindness. Here's the definition of the word compassion. Compassion, concern for the suffering or misfortune of others. Concern. So compassion is often, stay with me, compassion is often an emotion that you feel. You feel an emotion. The emotion is compassion. You look at someone that you love, maybe a mother towards her children, 
and you see your children and you realize they're in pain and my children are, are struggling, they're suffering, and you feel compassion for them. But then kindness is not an emotion. Kindness is actually an action. Kindness, the act of being caring, friendly, or generous. And so these, these two words go so well together in a Christian understanding of life. You've got compassion. You see something. You have the emotion of compassion. I feel for you. And you know what? That emotion leads me directly to action. Here's your first fill-in today right there on your sermon notes or, or on the Spring Hills app. You can go to, go to sermon notes there as well. And here's the first one. Understand. Compassion is the emotion you feel. Kindness is the expression of the feeling. A little more in Greek than it is in English, but that's how these two words go together. Compassion and kindness. Emotion and then action. Now, just examine it just for a second. What if you had one and not the other? Think about it. One without the other would be really sad. Like, like how many of you, for example, have felt compassion and not acted with kindness? That would seem hollow, and incomplete, for example, the other day, just the other day, two or three days ago, I was in the parking lot of a grocery store, and it was raining, literal cats and dogs, literally, literally, no, not literally, but it was raining really hard. Who remembers that rain we had a few days ago, right? It went on and on and on. I was in the grocery store. I got in my stuff. I was in my car. I was driving out of the, of the parking lot, and I, and I saw a woman, probably in her late 20s, and, and she's, she's carrying this really, really heavy bag of dog food, and it's raining on her, and it looks like she's struggling, and I thought to myself, someone should help her. As I drove on, uh, I had compassion, but I had no acts of kindness whatsoever. I didn't really want to get wet. Anyway, compassion without kindness seems, seems hollow and incomplete. By the way, who here could admit you've had that happen? You felt compassion but didn't follow up with an act of kindness? Ever had that moment? Yeah, exactly. How about the other way around? The other way around is, is that you have kindness. You do something which others look at and say, wow, that was really kind, but you didn't actually have compassion. When you do kindness out of duty, it may not even be kindness anymore. It might be perceived as kindness, but actually it's just kind of a hollow act. Look, look what it says. To act with kindness but not experience compassion would seem insincere. It's like, why are, why are you doing these kind things? Now, now, we understand in the Bible, these two words, compassion and kindness, are often put together. For example, in a very parallel section of Ephesians, very parallel to our verse in Colossians, Paul's, Paul's saying the same thing, but here he only gets two things. In Colossians, we get seven qualities, but in Ephesians, there's only two qualities, and they are these two, be kind and compassionate to one another. The next word is forgiving, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. Now, here's the thing I want to say about this. Number one, I want you to examine your life right now. Examine your life. And just ask yourself, not in, a, not in a Mother's Day kind of way, but in an everyday practical kind of way, are you missing compassion in your life? Are you missing acts of kindness that would accompany the compassion? Because Jesus dreams of his people, the people who follow him, living, feeling compassion, and then acting with kindness in their life. How might you do it? Compassion and kindness working together. But let's just pause on this for a second, and I want to say, the place that I most often have seen this in action, compassion and kindness, is in moms. Moms, you're great at this. Moms, you're so great at this. You look at your child, 
the one, the one that, that, that you uh, carried in your body, the one that you, you so lovingly was formed within you. And then you look at your child and the world sees your child and they don't see what you see. You see with compassion. You see with kindness. Listen, moms, today's a day for you. In, in the full light of all the joy and sorrow of parenthood, moms, today is the day where you can sit back and take a, a breath, a fresh breath to say, being a mom is an important and a beautiful thing. Thank you, moms. Thank you for having compassion and kindness brought together in your lives as a parent. How about the next thing it says? Here we go again. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness. Now, here's two. We're not going to spend a lot of time on these two today, but they're very important. Humility and gentleness. We're, we don't have time to talk about all seven of them, but humility and gentleness also, just like compassion and kindness, those two go together. You are gentle, which is an, generally an action, is gentleness, and humility is the attitude. I have an attitude of humility, and therefore, I conduct my life with gentleness. But let's focus in for a second on that very last word right there, patience. I'll say patience, you groan. Ready? Patience. Oh, it's your favorite topic, isn't it? Patience. Now, now exactly what is patience? How do we define Patience. Patience, the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Who would say, just raise your hand, just full honesty, full confession in the Lord's house today. You would, you understand you need more patience in your life. Just raise your hand. Yeah, oh, the entire room. Fantastic. Very good. Thank you for, thank you for confessing. We appreciate that. Now I'll say this, I'll say this, and, and uh, I'm not trying to talk good about myself, but I was at one time a very, very impatient person. I was. I was very impatient. And I have, over the many years of my life, I have grown to become a little more patient in my life. And what I've discovered is that the more patience that you have, the more joy can be in your life. The more you let small things disrupt your day and pull you off task, the more, the more a small delay or a small thing affects you, the harder your life is. If you learn to develop patience, you'll understand that, you know, really, truly, honestly, life becomes sweeter and more joyful as a patient person. But moms, let me talk to you moms on Mother's Day. There are a lot of things in a mom's life that may well demand patience. We're going to lower the lights and just get some examples in a video of some things that might require patience from moms. Here's the video. So I hear the kids in the pantry, and I'm thinking, hmm, what could they be up to? And I open the door, and this is what I see. What are you doing? I know. What have you been doing to your brother? Just a little bit? Can I see your hands? Maji, did you go in the garbage? Uh. 
I figured we'd go in and check on Samantha, and she's been pretty quiet. I thought maybe she was napping. Oh, man. Jack, did you make this mess? You don't know. Did you cover your brother in flour? Are you happy? I'm happy watching TV. So there are a lot of things that require patience in our life. And as I said before, if you develop more patience, your life will be more enjoyable. By the way, 16 times in the New Testament, the Bible commands that we be patient. If you're following Christ today, you can understand it is a requirement, a, re a command that you are a patient person. So how do you get there? How do you develop patience in your life? Moms, this is especially for you, but of course, for all of us, the desire is to be more patient. The Bible says two things about how we become more patient. Here's number one, Proverbs 19.11. A person's wisdom yields patience. It actually means the, 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 most, the most patient person you know is also the wisest person that you know. The more wisdom that you have, the more patience you have in your life. Now, now it is in our world today, there is a value on being impatient. We sometimes view impatient people as aggressive and, and they're ambitious and they don't have time to wait around, right? That's not, not true at all. The more patient you are re reveals the amount of wisdom you have in your heart. So, so, so what is wisdom? If you go, by the way, and you go do a search for a definition of the word wisdom, you will initially be disappointed by what you find. The first definition of wisdom in the, in the Webster's Dictionary is this. Wisdom, the quality or state of being wise. Oh, thank you. What a helpful definition. Also, we'll talk about discernment or judgment. The third definition of wisdom is the one that really helps us with patience. Here's this. The third definition of wisdom, Webster's Dictionary, is this. A correct perception of reality. A correct perception of reality is wisdom. And when you say, you know what, my perception of reality is based on the word of God. My perception of reality understands that, that what I think might be a, a delay, what I think might be upsetting my day, I, I don't really know. I don't really know. When I look at reality correctly, I can say, you know what, I can be a patient person because not everything is about me or my timeline, or my schedule, or what I'm doing. Patience comes with more wisdom. Do you agree with that? Do you agree with that? Patience comes with wisdom. And number two, this is a really important one. Number two, uh, by the way, we began last weekend a sermon series on the Holy Spirit, which will continue next week. But one way that we acquire more patience is literally through the Holy Spirit. We're going to go earlier in Colossians. We're in Colossians 3. Let's hop back to Colossians 1, 10, 11, just for a second. Paul said this to begin Colossians. To people who are following Christ, this is for you. Live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Now look at verse 11. We also pray, this is Paul's prayer for the Colossians and for you. We also pray that you would be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have the endurance and the patience that you need. When you see the words glorious power, you can think right away, think Holy Spirit, 
Holy Spirit power. God's Holy Spirit power is going to strengthen you to allow you to be patient. Now, now what if you just understood Next weekend, we're talking about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. There is power of the Spirit already inside of you that you can access to become more patient. In fact, many of you in this room or those watching online have already had it happen. You had a moment when it felt like everything was falling apart and you prayed and God's peace came and gave you additional patience. Am I right about that? The thing about this we really want to understand is that we have that power. We already have the Spirit's power to give us more patience. By the way, patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit as well. The third, the very third cell phone I ever owned, a third cell phone I ever owned looked just like this. It was a very, very sophisticated piece of technology. You could fold it, it could fit in your pocket like a, like a regular phone. But then if you wanted to, you could open it and you accessed a keyboard and it had a little screen. Now, I knew that my, very, my third cell phone could access the internet, and I could literally go to websites on that little screen. I could watch videos. I could do all kinds of stuff, but I never, ever did because I knew if I went online, I, I would have a limited amount of time for free, and then every minute after, I was going to pay more and more money to go online. And when that time came up for the contract of that phone, I took it in uh, to my cell phone carrier, and I got, I got an upgrade, the next phone, and the, the technician said to me, do you want to continue the unlimited internet package that you've had the last three years? I said, I've had an unlimited package on this phone? I could go on the internet as much as I want, anytime I want? And this like 12-year-old kid working there, he's like, he's like, yes, you could. And I'm like, well, I never did. Can I get a refund? You know I did not get a refund, right? Can I get a refund? I never did. I didn't even know. I didn't even know. And then the 12-year-old associate, who was probably more like 17 or 18, said to me, he said, sir, this is so spiritual what he said to me. Listen with spiritual ears. He said, sir, if you have access to it, you should probably use it. You have access to the Holy Spirit. Say amen. You have access to the Holy Spirit's power within you. Utilize it for endurance and patience in your life. Let's go on. Colossians 3. Here we go. Next verse. Colossians 3.13. Moms, it's for you. We love you. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. An entire verse. Now, the, the first, the first uh, five qualities that Paul gives us Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He just lists them. Boom, 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 boom. But for this one, he stops everything. He slows down, something I should maybe do. And he says this, bear with each other and forgive one another. Bear with means endure. Endure each other. It means this, you will meet annoying people and people will find you annoying. When someone annoys you in your family or in your church family or in the family of God or anywhere you go, you don't, you don't gossip about them. You don't talk bad about them. You don't cut them out of your life. You bear with them. You endure them. And if you're really good and you're relationally skilled, you can talk about how annoying they are and suggest changes. It works great. Bear with each other and forgive one another. Forgiveness is a huge thing. But Paul tells us how we do it. Here's how you are to forgive. You forgive as the Lord Jesus Christ forgave you. That means completely and sacrificially. You don't, you don't forgive superficially. You forgive completely and sacrificially in your life. Now, some years ago, we were talking, uh, we did a sermon series some years ago. And the sermon series that we did, uh, had a, uh, this is the logo for it. It was called, it was called Generations. 
We actually talked about how Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, those four generations, how you could take the Bible and you could see generational patterns that went from Abraham to Isaac, from Isaac to Jacob, and from Jacob to Joseph. And you could see it. You could see literal generational patterns as they went down. And I, in that sermon series, I said to you, there are three truths about generations you need to know. And on Mother's Day, it's a great time to review truths about generations. So think about generations, right? Just for a second. Think about your generation, kind of based on your age and where you are, what's happening. And there's a generation above you, right? Your parents and a generation above them, your grandparents. And then below you, if you have children, there's a generation below you. That's the generation that you're raising or is coming up. Think about your generation for a second, whatever age you are in the room. Here's a truth about, about generations. Number one, the choices, listen, the choices of previous generations in your family will affect you. Some of those effects are positive and some of them are negative. But for no one, for not not a single person, is it all positive or all negative? All of us have both positive things and negative things affecting us from a previous generation. So let's talk about the positive things. Who would say here, raise your hand. You can think back, your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa, and you can think of positive things they instilled in your life and the way that you live right now. Raise your hand, right? You can think of it. Positive things. Positive things they instilled within you. When you think of those, you should have gratitude. But also, you need to realize there are things in my life, tendencies, patterns, mistakes, sins that I commit that may well I haven't possibly learned from a previous generation and the way that I was raised. Just acknowledging that can help you understand your life and what you're doing. Number one. The choices of previous generations in your family will affect you. But I'll I'll go a little farther and even say this. Just just anyone in a previous generation, a coach, a teacher, uh, uh, someone, a boss, someone directly involved in your life in an older generation has affected you. But number two, and this is hopeful, second generational truth, number two is this. Your choices, listen, your choices, everyone can hear my voice, your choices affect the generation that comes after you, the next generation. Now, most directly, if, it, if you have children in, in your home that you're raising, this directly is talking to you. Social science has done multiple studies that have proven that, that almost any interaction in a home goes to create the culture of that home that affects a child, how they view the world, how they see things happening around them. And your choices will affect the generation that comes after you. Now, let me say it this way. This is empowering and terrifying, Right? Here's what I want you to think about. What, Pastor Tom, what if I don't have children? doesn't matter. You still affect. People still look at you and see you. There's a story that I, I tell about, about a family came to church for the very first time. The, the, the child, the 11-year-old child, a daughter, had never, ever been to church before. And her parents were like, you know what? We really got to get into church. We really should go back to church. And they came to church here at Spring Hills for the very first time. The dad told me the story later. And they came to church, and there was, there was a man of a, of a previous generation, probably her grandfather's age, of the 11-year-old girl. And he was just really nice. He was really nice to that 11-year-old girl. He welcomed her. He was on the host team. He thanked her. He helped her find a seat. He, he asked her some questions about herself and what grade she in. Does she play sports? And when church ended that day, that little girl did not remember a single thing that I said. But she remembered this. There was really nice people in that church, and I want to go back. That's what she told her parents on the way home. He affected the generation that came after him. You, you will affect the generations. No matter your age, how old you are, how young you are, people are looking to you, and you will impact the generation 
that comes after you. And then number three, last one of all, the, the third generational truth is simply this. You can, when I read it, you should say, amen, here we go. You can overcome the sins, bad habits, and mistakes of previous generations, but this requires focus and forgiveness. How many guys believe this? Raise your hand. You believe it? You can. It's not, it's not easy to do. I'm not saying it's, it's like turning on a light switch. I'm not saying, oh yeah, I want to overcome the patterns and sins and bad behavior. No, it takes time. It takes what I just said. Focus. You want to understand how they have affected you and hurt you and, and, and how their actions have played into your life. But you can overcome all bad habits, mistakes, sins of a previous generation. It requires focus. Now, now this is something I'd love to talk to talk more about. But we did something, I don't have time to talk a lot more about this in this sermon. Uh, but I t- I'll tell you what, we began something last week. Maybe you saw it, maybe you didn't. This is uh, Josh Meyer's idea, a great idea. We began a podcast here at Spring Hills. It, that's the, the logo for it, po- Spring Hills Podcast. And the, the byline is, you matter because you do. You matter to God. Everyone matters to God. And the podcast, there's two, two parts of it. One, one will be some special episodes. But number two, it's just a discussion of the sermon. We'll all sit down with Josh. You can email in, by the way. Email in questions from this sermon uh, to, to, to uh, Josh M at springhillschurch.org. And Josh will ask me questions that you are asking me about the sermon. But beyond that, Josh is going to interview me about, about things that, that we want to unpack And one thing we want to unpack this week, we'll shoot the podcast on Monday, is going to be about how you do this. What does it mean to to focus? What does that focus really look like? And then, of course, last of all, about forgiveness. Here's number three. Forgiveness. It takes focus and forgiveness to overcome the mistakes of a previous generation. Forgiveness. To let go of resentment or release from the payment of a debt. When someone wrongs you, that's the feeling that you have. If you don't let go of resentment, you're saying, I, I, you owe me. I want payment. I want you to pay for what you've done to me. I'm holding on to it. But to forgive is to let go of it, to let go of resentment. And I know right now there are people in this room or watching online and you are holding on to resentment in a relationship from, a, from someone from a previous generation. And God is saying, if you just forgive them, there's freedom waiting for you as you forgive them. We're going to go into on the podcast some steps of forgiveness and how important that is, but don't forget what Nelson Mandela said. Holding on to resentment is like drinking poison and hoping it will kill your enemies. Holding on to resentment is not healthy for you. It's toxic for you, in fact, to keep holding on to resentment. And by the way, you are to forgive as the Lord forgave you in your life as well. How about the last one? Last virtue, number seven, let's review them real fast. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness. And number seven, the last one and most important one of all is love. Colossians 14, 13. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So the, the, the analogy was a robe, a white robe of righteousness that you put on and the belt of that robe, you tie them all together with that belt and that belt is love. Here's your last fill-in, number four. And number four, the last fill-in is simply love. And on this Mother's Day, I want to remind you of the power of love in your life. The power of love. How, how, do, you t- how do you show someone you love them? You give them your time. You, you have actions that demonstrate love. And with your words, you tell them that you love them. I'm going to end with this. Uh, in 1999, just a few years ago, this article I'm going to read you appeared uh, in the paper, in, the, in the, the New York Times. 
It's about, it's about love. And this is what it says. This is from a man looking back over his life, and he says this. I enlisted in the U.S. Marines shortly after Pearl Harbor. That's December 7th, 1941. 36 days later, I was routed to Australia. 11 days after we landed, I met the most beautiful girl in the world. On our first date, I told her I was going to marry her, and I did. 18 months later, on a 10-day R&R leave from New Guinea, after more than 57 years of marriage and two children, my beloved Mary died five days before Christmas. Although we agreed that our ashes were to be scattered over the mountains of Colorado where we live, I could not find it in my heart to part with her ashes. While Mary was alive, she would frequently say, you don't even know how much I love you. And I'd reply, likewise, I never said I love you. Now her ashes are on my dresser where I tell her several times a day how much I love her, but it's too late. Although I wrote poetry to her, I could not bring myself to say the three words I knew she wanted to hear most. As my dearest was dying and we thought she was comatose, I told her, there aren't enough words to tell you how much I love you. And a few hours later, she whispered, not enough words. And within minutes, she died. The reason I'm writing is to urge men to express their feelings while their loved ones are alive. I don't know why, but many men are reluctant to express the depth of their feelings to their wives or to their mothers. And so I want to tell not just men, I want to say to everyone, if you love someone, you're not guaranteed tomorrow, and you on this Mother's Day need to let them know about the love that you have for them. Why don't you bow your heads with me? The praise team is going to come join me, and the praise team is going to sing a song that we, we love here called The Blessing. And this song is about generations. It's, a, it's about blessing the generations that have come before and come after. But I want to pray for you. Father God, we thank you for a fantastic Mother's Day. We thank you, God, for what we're expecting to be great weather and a perfect opportunity to tell our moms, for moms here, to be appreciated and to be loved and to be honored. Father, we honor the mothers in our presence and we recognize how important they are for families to function properly. God, I pray your blessing as all of us consider what it means to live with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love over all those virtues to put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Holy Spirit, I am trusting that as I have spoken, you have also spoken to minds and hearts in this room, that you're calling people to yourself and that you desire Holy Spirit to heal unhealed wounds. We pray that God today, healing over the unhealed wounds in our lives. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we are in your family. In your name we pray.